0: Welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on the Basement Podcast. I have been recording for a freaking hour. Do you want to know how many times I have restarted this freaking server? Way too many. It's been pausing my recordings at around 12 to 15 minutes, and then I have to restart. It won't save it. It's like, oh, no, audio file is recorded, and it's been just a giant, giant mess, I started recording an hour ago. Now I'm gonna start recording again. We should be halfway through the show right now, but sadly we are not. So I re-downloaded Audacity to get a new version of it on my desktop. So hopefully this time it stays a hundred percent this time. Because if it doesn't, I'm gonna lose my mind. This is very taxing with this when you're trying to record a podcast you want everything to run smoothly. You expect everything to run smoothly because you've been doing it for X number of months in a row. And then now we are in this situation of where, wow, this is not going very well. This is very bad. Why is this not recording? You don't know why it's doing this. And it's very, 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 very frustrating. This isn't the first time this happened. This happened a few months ago as well. And we got it sorted out because I re-downloaded the app, got a different version up, pretty much updating the app while also deleting the old one. And now we're here. And hopefully, we make it past 15 minutes. Because we make it past 15 minutes, I will see that as an absolute win. I'll be extremely happy, and then that way, we can get up to recording a podcast and get a successful podcast out there. Because for those of you who don't know, when I do this podcast, normally, I'll start recording around 9 or 10. Sometimes, just just usually around those two times, so somewhere in there, between 9 and 10. I'll record until about 1. Right now, it is 12.36. I should be done recording a podcast right now, or getting close to being done. But I woke up a little later than I usually do, so we started a little later than I usually do, and now we are stuck here. Where instead of being either done or halfway done, we are just starting. It is very, very, very frustrating and I hope that this actually continues to record because if it doesn't, then I'm just going to be done for today. So if this doesn't record, then none of you are actually going to hear what I'm saying right now. So it's really just me talking to myself at this point. I'm just hoping and praying that this stuff actually records because that's what I need. I need this to record and right now in Urbandale, let's look at some of the positives right now. Right now in Urbandale, it is a, it is a beautiful day outside. Very beautiful day. Right now, it's 82 degrees and sunny with a high of 87 today, which is just perfect. Just a beautiful, beautiful day outside. There's a 10% chance of rain. Wind coming to the south-southeast at 15 miles an hour. Air quality is good. Feels like 84 degrees right now. And if I were you, I would go out and enjoy the weather today and tomorrow because tomorrow, 89 degrees and partly cloudy. That is a great day outside. But as far as your weekend goes, we're counting Friday and this one just because it works. Friday through Monday is thunderstorms. So I would just enjoy your two days here. So pretend Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday are your weekend. Because you're not going to really get much of a weekend this weekend, if that makes any sense. We got rain, thunderstorms, all that stuff. Friday through next Monday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It's going to be decently out decent outside. And then Friday, more thunderstorms. So back-to-back Fridays, we are expecting thunderstorms, but you guys know how accurate these are. Weather apps are on people's phones they're usually wrong but we can hope that yeah we can hope they're wrong because if they're right then we're gonna have a pretty gloomy weekend and we're gonna be stuck inside all day and it's not gonna be very fun but if they're wrong like sometimes they are we should be having a very nice weekend and i hope you all are having a great day on this june 17th edition of the logan blackman show I got some exciting news in regards to the future of the Logan Blackman show. A camera will be coming in the mail today. Sometime today, I don't know exactly when, but we are getting a camera. So this is very exciting because I have been teasing this YouTube video that has been thought about in my brain for about a month now, and we're finally in the process of getting everything put together. I am extremely excited for this. Because now with the camera here... I can start recording this video and get it out to you sometime in the near future instead of just talking about, oh, I got this great idea. You guys don't know what it is, though. I'm I'm just going to do it. We're going to go out and film it. I don't know when, but in the near future and also with the camera coming, that means we are going to start recording the podcast, not only on the podcast on this microphone, but also in video form as well. There's a microphone on top of the camera so it will record audio and it'll sound very crisp and clean as well it's going to be beautiful so make sure with that being said go subscribe to the youtube channel and click the bell for notifications so you never miss a video man i feel like an actual youtuber right now so go and do that and make me feel very very happy and go watch a lot of our videos because i think they're very entertaining i put a lot of time and effort into the videos so i would just really like it if you did go and watch the videos give the videos a big thumbs up and that stuff so with this camera we're going to have a bunch of more videos coming with more hopefully we'll get more quizzes in there with random sports teams it's going to be harder though because we're not all in a centralized location we're kind of all spread out like in that video we filmed it up in cedar falls so we had people that are from outside the state or from different towns in cedar falls so it's just easy to film that way now that we're just stuck at home, I mean not stuck at home, but at home, people are all over the place. You got people in different cities, different towns, different states, even in some cases, different countries. So it's hard to record videos like that. But we still got some stupid videos that we can post on there as well. And with the podcast being posted on there, there'll will be videos on YouTube pretty much every day now. Or every other day, you would imagine, at least every other day. We could have more videos posted throughout the week as well, but those videos Will be on there, so look forward to those videos as we get closer to there. And I didn't realize this, but here on June 17th, there's a lot of things that went on on June 17th throughout the history of things in the world. <laughs> we'll go back 10 years ago first with Kobe Bryant, and Los Angeles Lakers beating the Boston Celtics 83 79 in game seven of the NBA Finals. This is Kobe's fifth NBA championship, getting him one past Shaq and the Lakers beating their most hated rivals, the Boston Celtics. Crazy series. I'll never forget watching that series because we were up in Minnesota at a soccer tournament, up at the Blaine Soccer Tournament, which we dominated every single year. We killed that tournament. We won it back-to-back years. We dominated so much, they just stopped inviting us. It was crazy. That was also the time of the 2010 World Cup, but that start date is coming up pretty soon, if I'm not mistaken, or it's already passed, and I'm just not thinking clearly, which my brain, to be fair, is fluttering a lot right now because I've had a really difficult morning, more difficult than what I'm used to here on the Logan Blackman Show, here on the Basement Podcast. But Kobe Bryant getting his fifth NBA championship, the famous Ron Artest quote of, Kobe never passed me the ball. Kobe passed me the ball. I can't believe it. That was Ron Artest at the time. Now he's met a world... Actually, no, he's something else now. I... he He's hyphened his name. He's meta. Something Artest, I think, because he used his wife's last name and his name, so it's hyphenated and stuff like that. But I don't know what what is his name now. I'm not gonna look it up. But he's changed his name a few times throughout the years. But at that time, he was Ron Artest. Made a shot. Was very big press conference. Oh my god, Kobe passed me the ball. Kobe never passed me the ball. So this is just a very cool moment for people that are Lakers fans and people that are Kobe's fans beating the Boston Celtics also on this date June 17th this time dating back to 1994 we have a lot of things going on on one date like they it's different having a date have a lot of things happen but if they're spread out by years there were six major things that happened on June 17th in 1994 so let's just start Arnold Palmer the famous iced tea slash lemonade he's also a golfer for those of you who did not know Played his final U.S. Open. One of the greatest golfers of all time. Played his final U.S. Open. You had Game 5 of the 1994 NBA Finals between the New York Knicks and the Houston Rockets, which the Rockets ended up winning. You had the New York Rangers in their Stanley Cup parade. You had one of the greatest baseball players of all time, the kid, Ken Griffey Jr., tying for the most home runs before in June 30th. And then you had the world-famous O.J. Simpson, white Bronco, police chase. But also on that date was the start of the 1994 World Cup. U.S. 1994, one of the greatest World Cups of all time when you're talking about the uniforms that these teams wore. Go look up, if you if you don't know this, just go and look up kits or uniforms, whatever you want, for 1994, USA 94. Go look up some of the uniforms these teams wore. You got the United States wearing denim jerseys. Adidas made denim jerseys. They got white stars going up and down the right side with this denim colored uniform. There a lot of different blues and reds in this U.S. men's national team uniform. Those were the away's. And the home ones, you got like an American flag with the stripes on the jersey. And you got the world famous pictures of alexi Lawless where he kind of blew up internationally. He was pretty well known around the United States, but internationally, everybody knew who he was. He had the beard the long hair everybody knew who Alexi Lalas was and at the time the U.S. men's national team their players not a lot of people knew who they were because there wasn't a big um, funding for a United States soccer league Alexi Lalas after this World Cup went over to Italy and was well known throughout the world because of this World Cup this U.S. 94 World Cup is one of the greatest because it blew up for the United States and that's kind of helped the United States men's national team grow. And also in this World Cup, you had Brazil winning, I believe it was their fourth World Cup final, beating Italy in the final with Roberto Baggio missing a penalty. Brazil won on penalties 3-2. to two. You had Mexico with their Mayan jerseys, some beautiful jerseys there. Just, just go look up some of the jerseys that these teams wore. They are amazing, amazing jerseys. Brazil had the flag in their jerseys, like, Man, Roberto Baggio with the ponytail. Like, U.S. 94, with just this, the pictures, the screenshots of this World Cup make it one of the greatest World Cups of all time. <laughs> Crazy World Cup. Just go look it up. Go look up some of the uniforms these teams wore because they are awesome. You will not be disappointed. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. And while we're on the topic of World Cups in the United States, yesterday, June 16th, in 2014, Clint Dempsey and John Brooks helped seal a victory for the United States over one of their most, I don't know what you want to call them, they're not really rivals, but one of their biggest kryptonites, I guess, the Ghanaian national team. Clint Dempsey scores within the first minute of the game, this is the opening game of the 2014 World Cup, I'm at my Nana and Papa's house, my dad's late, I'm saying, dad, the game's going to start, okay, I'll be there in a little bit, like right after he says, dad, Clint Dempsey scored a goal, What? There's no way Clint Dempsey scored a goal. Yeah, he did. Clint Dempsey opening up the World Cup in great fashion. My favorite United States player of all time. One of my favorite players ever, just regardless of nationality. I love Clint Dempsey. Clint Dempsey was the reason I wore number eight in soccer. I loved Clint Dempsey. Like a lot of people, when you see the number eight, oh, why'd you wear number eight? Oh, because of Kobe Bryant. Like Zach Levine wears number eight because of Kobe Bryant. Just as an example. But me, I wore number 8 because of Clint Dempsey. And number 8 was my soccer number. I wore number 8 for most of my soccer career. I started off wearing number 30 because my dad and I were late to getting numbers at Soccer Connection, which is what it was called at the time. I don't know what it's called. I think like Soccer Masters now or something like that. That's where JUSC used to get their jersey. So I was number 30. And then I finally got the opportunity to switch to number 8. I loved it. I loved the number 8. And Clinton Dempsey, after scoring that goal, he was the captain of the United States men's national team, one of the greatest captains the U.S. has ever had as a country. He was bleed red, white, and blue. He wouldn't let anybody disrespect the United States soccer team. It was awesome. And then he had that whole situation of ripping up the card book, and then Jurgen Klinsmann taking the Capsie away from him, and giving him to the bald wonder Michael Bradley, who was like one of the worst captains U.S. men's national team history. I hate Michael Bradley (laughs) He is the only player on a team that I've liked or loved that I have never liked. I have not once liked Michael Bradley. Michael Bradley gets the benefit of the doubt on everything. I don't know why he plays attacking mid. He sucks. Oh, he's not an attacking midfielder. He's a center midfielder. Oh, he plays center midfield. He sucks. Oh no, he's not a center midfielder. He's a central defensive midfielder. He plays defensive midfield. Oh, he sucks there. No, he's an attacking midfielder. That dude gets the benefit of the doubt over everything, and I don't understand why. And ever since he's become captain, the U.S. has gone straight nosedive down without a parachute. Like, they're just splatting on the ground. Michael Bradley is the United States men's national team captain. has been an utter disaster. I say that because he's the captain that's responsible for the U.S. missing the World Cup. He capped in the side that missed the 2018 World Cup. They had no zero zilch nada pride for what they were doing ever. After they lost to Trinidad Tobago, the only person that seemed a little bothered by what happened was Christian Pulisic, who should be the next captain of the United States men's national team anyways. Michael Bradley Gets the benefit of the doubt over everything. And just because he has over 140 caps for the United States, maybe it's over 150, I can't remember, doesn't mean he's one of the greatest players in the United States men's national team history. It's because there's been no one there to replace him. The United States, central midfield-wise, of my lifetime, since like since the U.S. kind of burst on the scene as like, oh, we're actually a good soccer team in 2010, because they kind of strolled at World Cups before that. 2010, you had the likes of Landon Donovan, Clint Dempsey, Joe a young Josie Altidore, Steve Trundlow, Carlos Bocanegro was the captain, t- young Tim Howard, and then Michael Bradley. Who was a central midfield partner? Ricardo Clark. Who was a central midfield partner after that? Jermaine Jones. Who's a central midfield partner after that? It's been a mixture of Kyle Beckerman, Mix Disgarude, um Who is it now? Who are some of the other people? Will Trapp. Like, there's nobody that's good enough to replace him until now with Tyler Adams. The only reason Michael Bradley has as many caps as he does is, one, because his dad was the former head coach of the United States men's national team, and two, because no one's been there to replace him. U.S. does not have a great history since Michael Bradley's been there at developing central midfielders. We have a good history of developing wingers. Dempsey was a winger when he started off the U.S., but became a striker. Then you have Landon Donovan, obviously. One of the greatest, if not the greatest, United States player of all time. Then you have Christian Pulisic there as well. Jassy Zardis was a winger before he moved up to a central striking role. Tim Weah, another winger. Jordan Morris. like We have a decent amount of depth at winger. Have had a decent amount of depth at winger. Now we are starting to finally get some central midfield depth with Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams. So hopefully... This spells the end of the Michael Bradley experiment. I guess not experiment, but era. Get the dead wood off the boat because the dead wood's rotting and we're sinking now. So dock the boat, get rid of the dead wood, replace it, and let's set sail again for the 2022 World Cup. And name Christian Pulisic captain. It's going to be one of three people. It's going to be either four people. Pulisic, West McKinney, Tyler Adams or Zach Steffen. Those are the four people that are competing for this captain's job. And I think it's Pool Six to lose. His nickname is already Captain America. And he's not even the listed captain of the United States national team. If you look it up, it's various because they just rotate it all the time. I think Weston McKinney has a very good shout He'll probably serve as the vice captain of Pool Six for the United States if I was picking it. But I'm just happy that we're finally getting some central midfield depth and which is gonna allow us to just kick Michael Bradley out the door and make sure the door hits you on the way out. I get he's played a lot. I get he's a nice person. But in regards to United States players, he's one of the most overrated United States men's national team players of all time it's ridiculous I even made a video on it the fact that he's still not only on the team but the captain is ridiculous Thiago Silva was the captain of the Brazil team during the 2014 World Cup Brazil got embarrassed by Germany 7-1 to he wasn't even in the game he got a red card the game before a yellow card the game before and he had amassed too many yellow cards so he was out The he hasn't been captain since he might have been captain for an odd game, but he's not been the captain. He's barely in the team anymore. it has been Miranda, Marcelo, Neymar's been captain. Donny Alves has been captain. Michael Bradley should not be wearing the armor. Because, yeah, Brazil lost 7-1. You didn't even make the World Cup. That's embarrassing. For the group that they were in for qualifying... They didn't make you lost a Trinidad debate on watching Panama in the 2018 World Cup was one of the hardest things I've ever had to watch because Panama got destroyed in every game they played. It was embarrassing to think that we could not get to the World Cup and they're there getting beat the getting the crap beaten out of them every game. Well, we're sitting at home with likes of Pulisic, Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, Zach Steffen not being allowed to play in the World Cup, which I guess at that time, Zach Steffen wasn't really the number one. That was Brad Guzan, which is awesome as well. Brad Guzan, another player that should not be allowed to play for the U.S. anymore. So the development is getting better. I will be saying that, but ever since Clint Dempsey got the captaincy removed from him, the U.S. has been on a downward spiral very fast. And I hope Pulisic gets named captain so we can start getting past all of this. But in that game, on June 16th of 2014, John Brooks scored a goal to get the U.S. a win over Ghana in that game. Yeah, Josie Altador getting hurt. I think Michael Bradley was attacking midfielder because that's his preferred position. Even now, I think he plays center back for Toronto FC. Dude gets benefited out over everything. In the U.S., had a good World Cup in 2014. Brilliant World Cup. And the group of death, everybody, well not everybody, not not U.S. fans, including myself, did not think they would come in last. But a lot of people were like, oh, they're going to get pounded. Portugal's got Ronaldo and Nani. Germany, the eventual World Cup winners, has so many talented players in their team. U.S. is coming in last. They struggle with Ghana every time they play them. They beat Ghana, drew Portugal, lost to Germany. That loss to Germany felt like a win because that's what put them through because portugal lost to ghana that tie to portugal when they scored in the last few seconds of the game that felt like a loss u.s was up two to one and then portugal gets a goal thanks from a beautiful cross from ronaldo and they just placed in the back of the net that felt like a loss germany's loss felt like a win (laughs) which is weird to think about it like that but the u.s Went on to go play Belgium, and they lost two to one in extra time. Tim Howard played out of his mind, or a hockey term, he was standing on his head during the game, and the U.S. just couldn't get in, couldn't get enough through. Julian Green got a goal, which was nice. Julian Green, ever since that game, has been much like the U.S. men's national team has been on a downward downward trajectory <laughs> as, as far as his career is concerned. Was at Bayern Munich at the time. Now he's playing in the second Bundesliga. Just doing nothing, essentially. I don't know what he's doing. I don't even know what team he's on. But that World Cup, that was a lot of fun. That World Cup was amazing to watch. There was a lot of pride towards the United States men's national team at that point. And it's just weird looking back at it and looking at we are, where we are now. And we're actually scared to make the World Cup. Because you never thought, looking at the qualifying groups, I know the hexagonal is a very tough group. And a lot of people on the outside looking in are like, oh, these are such small countries. These are tough groups. Now, the United States should never lose to a team like Trinidad and Tobago. One, because they were last place in the group. And two, it's Trinidad and Tobago. And they did. And Panama made it. You got the likes of the United States, Mexico, Costa Rica, Honduras. Those are the big dogs, quote unquote, in that group. But then Panama came up. And the Trinidad and Tobago national team, who was in last place in the group, beat the United States... And sent Panama to the World Cup. So hopefully, we can just look past that. And look forward to 2022 and actually make a World Cup. Because though I enjoyed watching the 2018 World Cup. There was a part of me that hated it. I loved cheering for Sweden. Sweden played awesome in the World Cup. Exceeded everybody's expectations. But it felt off because of the fact the United States... Was not there. It also, felt weird that the Netherlands and Italy weren't there either. And now they are on the upward trend of being one of the best teams. Europe, especially the Dutch national team. Good lord, they got some great players. Virgil van Dijk, Matthias de Ligt at center backs. And then you got Memphis Depay up top. Donny van de Beek, Frankie de Jong. You got so many talent, young talented players of that Dutch team. Good lord, they're going to be right back up there. They're not going to be really miss a beat. They don't have that stereotypical Dutch striker like Ruud Van Nistelrooy or Robin Van Persie or Klaasian Huntelaar, but they are extremely talented. Italy, Chiro Immobile, one of the best and one of the most underrated strikers in Europe, is going to be playing up top for them, one of the top scorers in Europe. Donnarumma is going to be in goal for them. they got a talented defense, as they always do, because that's just what Italy does. Italy will be back as well the u.s it's going to take a little bit longer i don't think they'll be comp- like i don't know it'll be interesting to see what they can do at the 2022 world cup if i was building a starting 11 for the united states men's national team right now i would say zach Steffen and goal guarantee let's just go over the guarantees zach Steffen and goal john brooks at the left-sided center back serginio dest as either the left back or right back whichever way you want to look at it they got tyler adams as a holding midfielder weston mckinney On one central midfield spot. And Christian Pulisic at another. If you want to go uh, 4-2-3-1, put Pulisic at the top as an attacking midfielder. Or you can just keep on what you're doing right now. McKinney has played very well in a midfield too. So is Tyler Adams. That's what both of them play at club level. RB Leipzig and Schalke both play in a two-man midfield. So that could work well for them with Pulisic playing as a number 10. But I don't know if they'll actually do that. Striker, Josie Altidore. Right now, he is still the best striker the United States has at this point in time. I think Gio Reyna will start at the right wing for the United States. I think Jordan Morris should start at the left wing for the United States at this point in time. Maybe Tim Weah can stake a claim to the left wing eventually. But right now, at this point in time, as I'm looking at it on June 17, 2020, Jordan Morris deserves that left spot if we are going off right now. Center back, a little difficult. I think it's between Aaron Long you got Miles Robinson there as well. Chris Richards just got included in Bayern Munich's first team or he was included in Bayern Munich's first team yesterday. So he's going to be up there as well. But I think right now, the best center back and the one Greg Beerholder trusts the most at this point in time is Aaron Long. So if we're looking at it right now in 2020, Aaron Long would be the starter, but I think as we get closer to 2022, Miles Robinson will more than likely be the starter next to John Brooks at the center back spot. And right back and left back, Again, Sergio Dest will be up there. Uh, DeAndre Yedlin's kind of fallen off a little bit at Newcastle, and Greg Beerhalter hasn't really picked him that often, and he likes putting Tyler Adams at at right back as well, so maybe he puts the inverted right back at Tyler Adams there again. Or we see the likes of Reggie Cannon play right back with Dest playing at the left back spot. Maybe that's what we're looking at right now. So if we're looking at it th- at 2020 view on 2022 – we had Stefan in goal, Cannon at right back, Dest at left back, John Brooks at one center back, Aaron Long or Miles Robinson at the other center back, Tyler Adams at holding midfield, West McKinney, one of the other central midfielders. If you're playing a 4-3-2-1 or a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3, those two will be in the center midfield. If you want to play them as a, together as a two, they're both capable of doing that. And Pulisic, I know he wants him to be on the ball as much as possible. So he's going to keep playing him at center midfield, whether that's a number 10 or a number eight position. I would like to see him as a number 10, but that's my opinion. Jose the at striker, Gio Reyna, and Jordan Morris as the wingers. I think we're building something pretty nice there. But there's obviously going to be more people, more players that come up that no one really knew about for the 2022 World Cup. So that was like Julian Green. No one was really talking about him. And then all of a sudden, he's right there, playing for the United States men's national team. Now, I don't think he'll be there at this World Cup, but, you know, crazier things have happened before. Robbie Finley has been to a World Cup before. He's got 11 caps to the United States, or seven, something like that. He's played in one – I don't know why Robbie Finley was in the 2010 World Cup, to be 100% honest with you, but he was. But, yeah, we talked a long time about the United States men's national team in soccer, but that's what we like to do. And we talked about Chris Richards getting in the, uni- getting in the team for Bayern Munich, being called to the first team. And Bayern Munich, his club, beat Werder Bremen, Josh Sargent, United Statesman's national team striker, 1-0 yesterday to give Bayern Munich their 8th straight Bundesliga title. 8 in a row. That is crazy. They're like the North Dakota State of the Bundesliga. Just always winning things. Never lose. North Dakota State's won 8 of the last 9 national championships in the FCS Bayern Munich won eight consecutive Bundesliga titles. That's insane. That's absolutely crazy. You got a goal from Robert Lewandowski, unsurprisingly. You had Jerome Boateng getting an assist in the game for Robert Lewandowski's goal. He was the man of the match, according to Whoscored.com. Alfonso Davies, the Canadian international, got a red card in the game, while also clocking a speed, an insane speed, of, I think, 36.51 kilometers Per hour. That's insane. He's a very fast player, and he came into Bayern Munich as a winger. That's what he was when he played for the Montreal, not uh, Vancouver Whitecaps. I almost said Montreal Impact, but that's not where he played. For the Vancouver Whitecaps, he was a winger, and he moves back to left back, and he starts week in and week out, game after game for the best team in Europe at this point in time. So, 36.51 kilometers per hour equals 22.69 miles per hour. That's speed. Speed kills. Speed kills. You look at the likes of Adama Traore in the in the Premier League. He's going to command a big money move. That dude is rapid as well. Alfonso Davies is insane. His elevation from just a, a winger in the MLS to one of the most appreciated, one of the most hyped prospects in the world starting weekend and week out for the best team in Europe is insane so congratulations to Bayern Munich and Alfonso Davies for winning their eighth consecutive Bundesliga and it makes me upset that Canada the Canada is building something nice now Jonathan David is a striker in the Belgian league right now is going to get talked about for a big money move this year he's Canadian Canada has some good young players coming up through their system and it's exciting times for a Canadian national team fan, see if they can actually compete in the hexagonal and try to make it to a World Cup, or they just keep doing what they're doing in the CONCACAF Gold Cup, and just, yeah, just keep being average, I guess, with your average players. But now Alfonso Davies, the best player in the Canadian system right now, has a chance to be one of the greatest Canadian players ever, if not the greatest Canadian player ever, Dwayne De Rosario would have something to say about that, but he's going to get talked about up there, and he's a crazy talent, and congratulations to them on winning the Bundesliga again. Other Bundesliga scores, Borussia Mönchengladbach beat Wolfsburg, Freiburg beat Hertha Berlin, and Union Berlin beat Paderborn. As we look at the Bundesliga standings, as we said the other day, nothing changed. Werder Bremen lost, Paderborn lost, Fortuna Dusseldorf lost, Mainz lost, so we did our Mainz plays today but they're playing Borussia Dortmund we're going to chalk that up as a loss so nothing changed absolutely nothing changed from <laughs> this past few days other than Bayern Munich won the league but if we're looking at the bottom of the league everything is the exact same 20 points for Paderborn they're going down Werder Bremen at 28 Fortuna Düsseldorf at 28 and Mainz at 31 unless Mainz gets some miracle victory over Borussia Dortmund today there's firmly placed in the relegation battle. And that's not a good thing to do or good, good place to be in. But if your mind's and you beat Dortmund, you're in the, you're in the driving seat for your fate. You can finish 15th and not have to worry about Fortuna Dusseldorf or Werder Bremen who are then just going to be competing for that relegation playoff zone in the 16th spot in the Bundesliga. Crazy stuff going on in the Bundesliga right now. And Eintracht Frankfurt right now sit 10th in the league. Are beating Schalke two to one in this game. It's then in the seventy seventh minute right now. There's got three United States men's international players in these teams. You got Zach Steff... Or no, is this? Oh, they're playing for Fortuna Dusseldorf. This is Eintracht Frankfurt. This is Timmy Chandler's team. He is, who is a U.S. men's national team international. He hasn't played forever for the United States. I have my teams mixed around because Alfredo Morales and Zach Steffen played for Fortuna Dusseldorf, Eintracht Frankfurt has Timmy Chandler okay we're all set now they are currently up one two to one on Schalke with Weston McKinney getting the lone goal for Schalke in this game playing from the right wing a little bit off his normal position and Schalke is a man down with Bogsadon getting a red card in the game for Eintracht Frankfurt you had Adrian Silva and Abraham getting goals in the game Adrian Silva aloney from ac milan maybe or was he somewhere is he somewhere else now he's i think he's a lone E from somewhere but i can't is it from ac milan because he was on ac milan but i don't know if he still technically is and abraham getting a goal from the center back spot and if things stand right now he'll be named the man of the match with an 8.2 player rating according to who scored we also got some more bundesliga games taking place today obviously we talked about borussia dortmund versus Mainz, which will take place in a little bit We have RB Leipzig versus Fortuna Dusseldorf. Bayern Leverkusen versus FC Köln. And Augsburg taking on Hoffenheim. Then we have every Bundesliga team playing come on Saturday. So, we'll preview those more when that day comes. But Bayern Munich, 8th consecutive Bundesliga title. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. And for La Liga, Barcelona currently sit top of the league. They got a 2-0 win over Leganes yesterday. Messi getting a goal late, getting a penalty in the game on Sufani. The 17-year-old Phenom scored a goal in this game as well, getting linked to all the big clubs in Europe. But Barcelona are going to be avoiding selling him at all costs. You can't let a guy like that go. They placed a massive price tag on his head. A lot of teams have backed off since then, but there's still some of the bigger clubs that are looking at him again. But if I'm Barcelona, I'm not letting this guy go unless it's for a loan. If he goes to Borussia Dortmund, if Jaden Sancho goes to Manchester United, wherever he goes, loan Ansu there, get him some playing time, get him some experience, and then bring him back. Look at Atraf Hakimi, who's playing for Borussia Dortmund this year. He's developed into one of the best attacking fullbacks in Europe for Real Madrid. He'll come back and challenge Danny Carvajal for that starting right-back spot. Borussia Dortmund, they develop players. That's what they do. Them and Ajax, like two of the best developing players, teams in the world. You look at Jane Sancho coming over from Manchester City, going there, doing things in the lower league, or in the youth teams, and now he's one of the best players in Europe. Christian Pulisic goes over to Bruce Dortmund, demands the highest record transfer fee for a United States men's international ever going to Chelsea. Erling Holland, one of the best goal scorers in Europe right now. I think he has 27 goals to his name this year. One of the top goal scorers in the world. He's continued that at Borussia Dortmund. Marco Royce, another one. One of the top players in the world. He has been a uh, he started off at Dortmund, went to Manche Gladbach, came back to Dortmund, linked to all the big clubs in the world, but he's very loyal to Borussia Dortmund. And then you got Hakimi as well as what we said there. One of the best attacking fullbacks in the world right now. They know how to develop players. If you want to send Fadi there, if you don't think he'll get enough playing time at Barcelona in this next season with the likes of you being linked to Lorano Martinez, with Griezmann, Suarez, and Messi all still being there. Usman Ousmane is there as well. He's been hurt this year, which is why Fadi's had a chance to show what he can do this year. But a 2-0 win for Barcelona. Sees them five points clear of Real Madrid, who don't play until tomorrow against Valencia, which should be a very, very fun game for them. But again, Barca, 2-0 victors there. Villarreal, 1-0 victories over Mallorca, and Getafe and Espanyol drew 0-0. On Monday, I can't remember if we went over these scores or not, but Levante and Sevilla drew 1-1, and Real Betis tied Granada 2-2. And we got some action going on today with Real Valladolid and Celta Vigo currently drawn 0-0 in the 38th minute, and Ibar and Athletic Bilbao are tied at 1-1 in the 38th minute as well. And Asasuna will be taking on Atletico Madrid in an hour or two. So... Make sure to go follow that game. And as I said on Monday, if you follow soccer but don't have a great way to get all the information that you your soul desires, I would very much recommend downloading or going online and looking up the Who Scored app because you'll get all the information you need for your teams. They give scores for after every single game. They give the lineups. They give player ratings after every single game. Substitutes all that stuff. And it'll keep you up to date on every single score. They up live update you, as we've been saying, like – Ibar Athletic Bill Bauer in the 38th minute. It's one to one. They live keep the score. They do the minutes as you go on. Like it's a real game. It's awesome. I would highly recommend downloading the app because you'll get all your soccer information that you need. So let's look at the Bundesliga, uh, not Bundesliga, La Liga standings as we stand right now. As we said, Real Madrid don't play until tomorrow, but right now Barcelona are five points clear of Real Madrid. Sevilla sit third on 51 points. Real Sociedad and Getafe sit fourth and fifth with 47 points. Real Sociedad has a plus 12 goal differential to Getafe's plus 10 with Atletico Madrid sitting 46 points in sixth place. The bottom of the league, your two points separate the bottom three teams. Ligani's on 23, Espanol at 24, and Mallorca at 25. Then you've got Celta Vigo and Ibar two spots above a spot and two spots above those teams with Celta Vigo at 26 points and Ibar at 27. So we got a very thick and heated relegation battle And Ibar. Are trying their hardest to get relegated. In the last 6 games, they've lost 5. They're trying their hardest to go down the leagues. They're at 27 points right now. They've been dropping points like a rock. And they're trying they want to get relegated. They want to go to the Segunda Division. And I don't know why these teams, these teams are like, hey, you, come on. Come on down. We'll let you go. You guys can drop however you want. And Ibar, right now, as we said, tied with Athletic Bilbao, who sit 10th in the league right now. A lot lower than what they are used to throughout their history. But, yeah. Just keep dropping points, Ibar. The other teams below you will be much obliged and very much like the fact that you are just dropping points at will. And now... The biggest league in the world, the Premier League. Dun, dun, dun. The biggest league in the world by far. The Premier League, we have Aston Villa versus Sheffield United. That is a nil new tie right now. We are in the 54th minute of the game, and Arsenal and Manchester City will play each other a little bit later today. And after this game, every team in the league will have played 29 games. They got four teams that have not played 29 games, the rest have played 28 games. Those are the four teams playing right now. And Aston Villa, they need a win here. They have lost their last four games. In their last six, they lost four, drawn one, and won one. They need a win here. Sheffield United sits seventh in the league. They have won three of their last four games. So this is going to be a hard-fought match for Aston Villa, who sit 25 points in 19th place in the Premier League. But thankfully for them, if you look at the bottom part of the league, 15th through 19th, all of those teams have a chance to be relegated. You have Bournemouth on 27, Watford at 27, West Ham at 27, and Brighton at 29. This is going to be an intense battle. Aston Villa, two points, separates them from 19th and 16th place. So if they get a win here, if they somehow get a win against Sheffield United, who have been one of the biggest surprises of the season so far, that would very much help them in their tra- in their fight out of the relegation zone. And they need it because they're going to lose Jack Grealish this summer. They may lose John McGinn as well. So they need a big win to just hopefully stay up in the Premier League for another season. Cuz if not, they're probably going to go down next year cuz Grealish is gone and he's easily their most important player. And with him gone, there's not going to be a lot coming in regards to creativity in the Aston Villa side. So for their sake, I hope they can get a win today. Just because you you want to stay in the Premier League as long as possible. Because the money is so good. The money is awesome in the Premier League. So you just want to stay up there as long as possible. Even if you're not going to be good the next year, at least you stayed up there another year. And then so well, those are the games for today. We got games coming up on Friday as well. Norwich against Southampton and Tottenham against Manchester United. We'll talk about the games coming up on Saturday and Sunday more on Friday. We'll preview those games in full come that day. But right now. We did a little bit of preview or predictions, whatever, for the Premier League on Monday. But that was just like awards and stuff. Let's look at the league standings and predict the top five because the top four will go to Champions League. The fifth one is a lot to go to the Europa League. And then the bottom three are the relegations. So they're going to be relegated. So starting off at the top, Liverpool win the league, Manchester City will come second. I don't think there's a lot of debate in that. Liverpool can, I think they're six points out of winning the league. They've won 27 games this year out of the 29 they've played. They have 82 points. Manchester City in second at 57 points this season. Liverpool are winning the league. And Manchester City, I can't see them dropping anywhere below seventh or second in the league this year. Third place, I got a little sneaky sneak one. I have Manchester United streaming up to third place. I don't know if that's really realistic. But before the break started, they were one of the hottest teams in the Premier League without the likes of Marcus Rashford, without the likes of Paul Pogba, with only Bruno Fernandes the main contributor as far as creativity in that team. Now with Rashford and Pogba back, going on with one of the hottest teams in the league right now, I can't see them not jumping up to at least fourth. But I'm going to go all the way and say they're going to finish third in the league. Fourth place, I'm going to go with Leicester City. Dropping off one spot, Uh, They scored 58 goals this season. They have a plus 30 goal differential, which is easily the third most in the league. I think they'll just drop one spot to fourth. and I think Chelsea will finish fifth in the league. Chelsea uh, don't have a lot of coming as far as goals recently. So that's where I think Manchester United, with all their players coming back, I think this will very much help Manchester United, who are already, as we said, one of the hottest teams in the league before the break started. And for the bottom league, Norwich are finishing last. They're 21 points. They're destined for the drop. They are going down. They're not really fighting for any spot other than 20th. They're fighting with themselves. 19th, Aston Villa. I think Aston Villa stay in 19th spot. I think they can get a result here and there, but overall, they're just destined to go down. And then 18th, this pains me to say this because I really like this team, but West Ham United, yeah. I think it's between them and Bournemouth. I don't think Watford will go down because of the likes of Nigel Pearson being their manager. He's had, he's orchestrated the great escape before. I think Watford are fine. West Ham though, David Moyes, not a lot of great things going around for the club right now. They've allowed 50 goals this season, which in the bottom part of the league, other than the two teams that sit in the bottom is the most like the teams are competing with. You got Bournemouth, Watford, West Ham and Brighton competing for those rele- relegation spots. They've conceded 50 goals this season. Mine's a 15 goal differential because they've scored 35. So that's been their positive there. But I think they're destined to go down. David Moyes will go down. And man, it sucks. Because I like West Ham, but I think they are destined for the drop. Dun, dun, dun. You never like saying that about teams. About that, they'll be destined for the drop. But you know what? Sometimes the truth hurts and i think that's what's going to happen to west ham at the end of the season sadly for them so with that being said let's look at some kbo scores before we take our first break of the show uh yesterday we had kt beating sk 6 to 5 LG and Hanwha 9 to 5 samsung Lions being the doosan bears 4 to 3 Lote being kiwoom 7 to 5 and kia beating the nc dinos 7 to 4 and then today kia beating nc again 7 to 6 kiwoom beating Lote. Four three, Samsung again beating the Dusan Bears six to five or six three. KT beating SK six to four, and LG beating Hanwha seven to one. And LG is now only two games back of the NC Dinos, with LG winning their last two, NC losing the last two, really closed the gap on these two teams. Dusan Bears sit third, a half game above the Kia Tigers right now and Kiwoom there as well all three of those teams have 21 wins Doosan only has 16 losses on the season though compared to the other ones and Hanwa on nine wins is trying to get that 10 game threshold for the season it'd be very impressive if they could do that with the win over load no that was Kiwoom Hanwa playing LG let's try to get over the 10 wins guys I I want you guys to finish above 10 wins that's all I really want for the season I'm not even a Hanwha fe just finished above 10 games so with that being said, let's take a quick break here on the logan blackman show let's talk about some more baseball with the mlb and if the season will actually happen or not and also look at some famous inf- and slash infamous manfred quotes from this past week coming back after this hello everybody welcome back just took a little short break there had to get some lunch in my system and we are back to talk some more baseball. We just went over the KBO scores. That happened the past two days. We've got more KBO action coming up t- uh, tomorrow morning and Friday as well as Saturday and Sunday. No games, of course, on Monday. But we have some more MLB news. With the MLB sending a 60-game offer to the players as leaders meet. Here is the article from ESPN. Major League Baseball has sent a proposal for a 60 game season at full pro rated pay to the MLB Players Association, a source told ESPN's Buster Only on Wednesday. No deal is done, with MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred and MLB PA Executive Director Tony Clark having met recently. The latest offer is seen as a significant progress considering where the parties were a few days ago, sources told ESPN's Jeff Pazon. MLB had made three proposals to the start of the 2020 season, and the Players Union, two and the sides were about a one, about $1 billion apart in guaranteed salary. Players were set to earn $4 billion in salary before the coronavirus outbreak began. The union had cut off talks Saturday, a day after MLB's pr- previous proposal, and said additional negotiations were, feudable, f- were futile. Players told MLB to un- I- unilaterally, <laughs> I'm, str- I'm struggling here. There's a lot of words on this page. Unilaterally set the schedule, but Manfred said the league would not while there was a threat of grievance, of a grievance. On Monday, Manfred told ESPN he was, quote-unquote, not confident that a 2020 baseball season would be played, walking back previous comments that, unequivocally, we are going to play Major, B- Major League Baseball this year, and pegging the likelihood at 100%. I am not confident, Menfer told ESPN's Mike Greenberg. I think there's a real risk, and as long as there's no dialogue, the real risk is going to continue. The sides reached a deal March twenty sixth with players agreed to prorated salaries, part of an agreement that included a guaranteed a guarantee of service time even if no games were played this year. Teams say they need money to pay cut more pay cuts to afford to play in empty ballparks players say they will not accept additional salary reductions on Saturday at the day after the MLB delivered a return to play proposal that called for a 72 game season and guaranteed 70% of players prorated salaries with a maximum of 83% MLBPA lead negotiator Bruce Meyer said in a letter to MLB Deputy Commissioner Dan Halem "Given your continued insistence on hundreds of millions of dollars of additional pay reductions" We assume these negotiations are at an end. Clark followed with a statement asking the league to use the right, its right to form the March... Ah, Mar, oh geez. Restart the entire sentence. Clark followed with a statement asking the league to use its right from the twenty March 26th agreement to set a schedule, saying, quote, It unfortunately appears that further dialogue with the league would be futile. It is time to get back to work. Tell us when and where. End quote. Numerous players echo Clark on Monday response to Manfred tweeting, tell us when and where. You can see a lot of MLB players tweeting that. It's like unified MLB players tweeting, tell us when and where. The end of the article states, Manfred said in Monday's interview that he believed the union intended to file a grievance that the league had not fulfilled its obligation under the March 26th agreement to play most of the games possible, play the most games possible, which he deemed, quote, A bad faith tactic. End quote. So, do we think there will be baseball this year? My gut is telling me no. As we said on Monday, according to ESPN, the two sides were very far apart, and neither one of them were really budging because there's a lot of distrust and anger towards the two sides. No side is going to agree on a deal. They can't agree on the games, can't agree on the prorated salaries, and all that stuff. Do we think baseball will be played? I hope so, but do I think it? I don't know. I don't really. I'm leaning towards the sides if it's not. The players already don't like Manfred, as we talked about on Monday with his quote about the Commissioner's Trophy, about how it doesn't really mean anything. It's just a piece of metal, essentially, is what he called it. The MLB World Series Trophy is called the Commissioner's Trophy, and the Commissioner has devalued the trophy. That didn't sit right with the players. Now we got this quote of. The other day, they're all 100% BS MLB season to I'm not I'm not confident it'll happen. You don't say the first thing if you're not actually confident. If you just want to get fans like, "Oh yeah, we're going to have baseball." And then you come back a couple days later and said, "I'm not confident it's going to happen." It's a lot different from 100% going to happen to not confident it's going to happen. That means you're less than 50% if you're not confident. If you're confident, 100%. That's like, "Oh yeah, it's happening." Fans, players alike, and celebrate. We're gonna have baseball, the most storied sport in American history, is back. <sighs> Actually, it's not because we're not convinced it's gonna happen or not. Manfred, um, when this whole Astros sign stealing thing came to fruition earlier this year, he was losing fans left, right, and center. We said this on the show numerous times that Roger Goodell, who is probably the least likable. Commissioner, or at least liked, not likable, but least liked commissioner of the major sports in American sports. Manfred has surpassed him and now has anchored himself to the bottom of the totem pole as far as likable and liked commissioners in World of Sports. Manfred did this in a few days, back a few months ago when the whole astro science stealing scandal was up. Then everybody started really hating him. Now you got this whole situation. Now you got people calling for his head. Manfred is a joke, essentially. When he comes up for re-election, or that is, he's not going to get re-elected as a commissioner. There's no way. I refuse to believe that he will get re-elected. The season, to me, as I'm looking at it right now, looks like it's not going to happen. If I'm being 100% honest, I don't think it's going to happen. And whoever wins the World Series this year which will probably be the Dodgers, based on <laughs> their luck in winning World Series. There's going to be a giant asterisk next to it. Because they played 50 games, or according to this Major League Baseball one proposal, they'll play 60 games. But I'll post a poll on Twitter later today and ask the question, will there be baseball this season? Do you think there will be baseball? Yes or no? There's not going to be, oh, I don't know. If they if this side does one thing and the other side does other, than then maybe then we could have baseball. But right now, I really don't know. But ma- no, shut up. Yes or no? Is there going to be baseball season? Say, if I put the don't want to comment on it or I don't know section, that's going to be taking up the majority of it. Now, I could say that. Why? Because I'm a world-famous radio show host. The greatest radio show you've never listened to. The greatest sports show you've never listened to or ever heard of. Love that slogan. Came with myself. My brain works amazing at times (laughs) like right there that wasn't a great time for my brain right now but man baseball get figured out you got the nba coming back and there's a lot of drama around the nba situation but they're coming back hockey is coming back the mls who has been in negotiations getting this season kicked back off a lot less than you guys have let well uh, certainly a lot less documented times because i was talking to my dad i think two saturdays ago Or was it last Saturday? No, it was two two Saturdays ago, because I watched Austin Powers and Shrek. Because I was like, Dad, I don't, I haven't heard anything from the MLS. What's the MLS doing? And then like a few days later, you get the whole, we're doing the bracket thing, which I'm not a huge fan of how the brackets turned out, but whatever. There is a season, though july 7th july 11th i looked down at my calendar on my computer and saw 17 so i said july 17 but it's july 11th when the mls is coming back nfl college football as of right now seem to be pretty much unaffected especially the nfl college football might be a little different but the nfl i think is going to be more or less unaffected by all of this but the mlb Neither one of these sides, and this is a history of the MLB. The MLB has done this throughout the years. They talked about it in the Sammy sosa smart McGuire documentary. They've had multiple strikes. This might be another one of those years. Which is sad because everybody loves Well, not everybody, but a lot of people in America love baseball. Like, it is a very popular sport. It's what, I don't know. It is the most historic sport in the major sports in America. By far. You got teams dating back to the 1800s. You got a long history of World Series. Every team in the league minus one has a World Series. That's the Seattle Mariners. Every team in the major leagues right now has a World Series. That's insane. You can't say that about any of the other sports. That this there's only one team that doesn't have a World Series. That shows how historic. Like even teams that have won it and they won it way 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 back they still won and baseball as of right now doesn't look like it's going to happen no matter what is said on whatever side it does not look like it's going to happen and this is a perfect time just slide right into a new segment we are going to start doing on Wednesdays called stay woke Wednesday hashtag stay woke because there's a lot of people and a lot of outlets post a lot of really stupid things online. It's like the MLB, they can't get out of their own way right now. They're just saying and doing a lot of stupid things and it looks like they're not going to be a season. So for this, we're going to look at stupid things and stupid thing stupid stuff people have said and posted all over social media. This is collected all the way from last Wednesday and now we are bringing it to the forefront today for our new segment Stay Woke Wednesday. Now reminder we have our Friday fun day on Fridays. We have yay or nay on Mondays. Now we have this one. Stay woke Wednesday. We have some for every day of the week. We even have every other Friday. Top five dumbest. I mean, all this stuff you can do, all the great segments that the Logan Blackman show provides for you as a listener. So let's get right into it. Let's start off with something that I found and that, like going back pretty far. There's not a lot of things that, no, it's not all the time where you get, like, some crazy, crazy look of, wow, someone actually believed that. Someone actually believes that. So let's go over everything we've seen since last Wednesday. The first one I saw since last Wednesday was UNI Panther quarterback, former and I Panther quarterback. I'm not saying the word UNI Panther legend. I hate that he's considered a UNI Panther legend because he started only one year at UNI. There wasn't a great relationship. They call him Tom Brady, a Michigan legend. He's not a Michigan legend. He's a legendary quarterback. He's not a Michigan legend as so much as Kurt Warner's not a Michigan legend. Or uh, Well, obviously he's not, but a UNI legend. For my money, Eric Sanders is the greatest quarterback in UNI Panthers history. Kurt Warner should not be mentioned in the term of greatest Panther quarterbacks of all time. That's just stupid. But former UNI quarterback and NFL legend, Kurt Warner said, Stephon Gilmore is very similar to Deion Sanders. The Legendary QB said, Gilly Locke has primetime technique and ability to study and understand the game. See that one I'm not going to really say a lot on. Because I think that Stephon Gilmore has those same skill sets. Is he as good as Deion Sanders? No. But similar skill set nonetheless. It's like Jordan Love. When people were comparing Jordan Love to Patrick Mahomes, it wasn't saying that he is as good as Jordan Love or as Patrick Mahomes. He's not as good as Patrick Mahomes. He has the potential to be, but he's not as good right now. He does a lot of very similar things to the former NFL MVP and the Super Bowl champ, but he's not him yet. He has the potential to be. That's what I think Kurt Warner is saying about Stefan Gilmore. He has the potential to be as good as Deion Sanders. I would not compare them because I think Deion Sanders is undoubtedly the greatest corner of all time. You got the likes of Daryl Green up there. Mel Blunt is up there as well. Rod Woodson. Champ Bailey. Like, you got all these great corners. I wouldn't put Stephon Gilmore up there right now. But I think he does have very similar skill sets to that of Deion Sanders. So, I'm not going to bash that one. Now, if we scroll down. A little bit farther on my camera roll what do we got on here nope not that one it's this one here we go we kind of talked about this on Monday I think underrated and overrated this is something that this one person decided to post on Instagram I don't know what account it is underrated quarterbacks I don't agree with two of these ones underrated Sam Darnold Kyler Murray and Matthew Stafford I think Matthew Stafford's underrated I don't think Kyler Murray is underrated at all. How is Kyler Murray underrated? A lot of people out there in the sports media world are saying Kyler Murray has a chance to win the MVP this year. A lot of people are spending the Cardinals to win at least nine games this year. In what world is Kyler Murray underrated? I love Kyler Murray. I think Kyler Murray is a very good quarterback. I do not think he's underrated by any stretch of the imagination. I think he's rated. But I think... Underrated is a little far off than that. And the other one, Sam Darnold, um, by every – Sam Darnold is the most overrated quarterback in the NFL. The most overrated quarterback in the NFL. Why? Because like we talked about with Michael Bradley earlier, Sam Darnold gets the benefit of the doubt all the time. Oh, Sam Darnold has doesn't have the best weapons anymore or on the Jets. They went seven and six in their last games as he went seven and six as a starter of the Jets last year. Okay, genius. I hate when people bring up the schedule thing and that how Sam Darnold did so good with the schedule they had last year. The last half of the season, this is not fiction. This is not stuff that made up to make a point. Their last half of the season was the easiest in the NFL. The easiest. So, if you start off, on November 10th, they won six games. They went six and two in the last eight games. Very impressive stuff. In those games, they played the New York Giants, the Washington Redskins, the Oakland Raiders at the time, Cincinnati Bengals, Miami Dolphins, then you got the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Bills. Out of those eight teams, two of them made the playoffs. Two of them. The rest of them had top 10 picks, or top 12 picks. You look at the Giants, they had the thir- uh, the fourth pick. You look at the Redskins, they had the second pick. The Raiders had the 12th pick. The Bengals had the first pick. The Dolphins had the fifth pick. The Steelers traded out of the first round with the Dolphins. What are we do- why are we holding this and judging that off of how good Sam Darnold is? They lost to the, Dol- the freaking Bengals. The Bengals didn't even have a win at that point. And they lost to them. Bengals were 0-11. And the Jets lost to them. And your hero, Sam Darnold, threw 239 yards, no touchdowns, and no picks. No touchdowns against the Bengals. Again, I I cannot stress this enough. The Bengals had not won a single game all season. They were the worst team in the NFL. By far. Now, their passing defense is in the bottom half of the league, but it's not the worst in the league, Logan. I don't care. It's the 0-11 bungles. How do you lose to them after you just beat the Cowboys? Like, you beat the Cowboys earlier in the year, didn't you? Or am I just making stuff up now? This won't go back, so I'm going to have to manually do this and have to talk before... I say anything because I, I, I got nothing on my screen right now, so I got to wait for it to load up again. Yeah, you beat the Cowboys, and then you lost the Dolphins. And this is awesome as well. The Jets, with Sam Darnold as their starting quarterback, beat the Dallas Cowboys, and then went on to lose the Dolphins, who I don't think had a win at the time, and then the Bengals, who didn't have a win at the time. They lost to two teams that had no wins on the season. They barely beat the Dolphins the second time they played them. Sam Darnold, in their last however many games when he came back from mono, beat the Cowboys, then lost to the Jaguars, the Dolphins, the Bengals. How is that, how are we overrating, underrating this guy? Sam Darnold gets the benefit of the doubt every, and I'm not even mentioning the Buffalo Bills at the end of the season, where they played the Bills backups and beat them 13-6. to with wide receiver, five foot nothing wide receiver, Isaiah McKenzie playing corner for the Bills. It was three to three going into the fourth quarter against the Bills' backup players. The Jets won the game and finished 7-9 in the season, and everybody's like, oh my god, Sam Darnold can do everything, he can do no wrong. I, I get He has talent. I will give him that. He has talent. But to crown him as this great quarterback in his second year where he hasn't done anything, where if you want to go with the record after he came back from Mono, they went 7-9 after they started 0-4. They had the easiest schedule in the NFL. (laughs) That's not... Me just looking at this and going, oh, yeah, there's no way anybody had an easier schedule. Record-wise, they were the easiest. The Cleveland Browns were the second easiest. So, yeah, if the Jets didn't go 7-9, and nine, I would have been really concerned. And in the games, you played the Giants, who had the fourth pick, the Redskins, who had the second pick, the Bengals who had the first, and the Dolphins, who had the fifth. You lost to the Bengals first win of the Bengals in their season the first win for the Cincinnati Bengals you beat the Miami Dolphins by one point you beat the Steelers who were without an identity on offense towards the end of the season with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges rotating at quarterback with Duck Hodges throwing two interceptions in the game getting benched it was 10 to 10 at halftime I get the Steelers have an awesome defense, so Sam Darnold couldn't do it all by himself. But come on, stop. This dude is the most overrated quarterback in the NFL. This has to stop. I get he doesn't have any help. There's a lot of quarterbacks that didn't have any help. Josh Allen's rookie year, he had nobody. The next year, his second year in the league, the only player that was on that roster on offense that returned... That started was Deion Dawkins, the left tackle. Other than that, all the wide receivers were gone. The tight ends were all gone. The rest of the offensive line was gone. The running backs were gone. That is how bad the Bills' offense were. The Bills were expected to have the top pick in the draft that year. Josh Allen's rookie year. The Bills were expected to have the top pick in the draft. They were by a lot of people's accounts... The worst team in football. And they showed that when they got... I was trying to think of what John Leo used to say. Genetically jackhammered by the Baltimore Ravens week one. With Nathan Peterman posting a zero quarterback rating. A zero. And the Bills went on to win six games. The Jets had the easiest second half schedule in the NFL. Minus the Ravens. And they got pounded by the Ravens. And they they did what they did. They did what they were supposed to do. One game. Minus the Ravens game because they were supposed to lose that game. They lost one game. In those last eight. Or last seven since we did. Excluding the Ravens game. They beat the Dolphins by one. They beat the Giants by seven. They beat the backup Bills with Isaiah McKenzie playing corner by seven. And didn't get the lead until the fourth quarter. They beat the Steelers by six and didn't get the lead until the third quarter who were without any sense of identity on offense. Be beat the Dolphins by one who had Ryan Fitzpatrick leading the team in rushing yards at 38 or 30 whatever years old. In no world except for deluded Jets fans and people that just don't watch football. <laughs> Sam Darnold is insanely overrated. Insanely, there is no world where Sam Darnold is underrated. In any world is Sam Darnold underrated? None. You want to claim they won however many games with Sam Darnold start in the second half of the season? Well, when he came back, <laughs> they were one in seven. <laughs> they won one game in his next four games back. Their start were one in seven. They played the Patriots, the Jaguars, another powerhouse right there, and the Dolphins. lost all three of those games. They beat the Cowboys. Awesome. You beat the Cowboys. But then you, my God. It bothers me. It bothers me. Why people are so much. He threw 13 interceptions last year. Josh Allen's considered a turnover machine. He threw nine and threw two interceptions post the Patriots game last year, which was weak like four. I know he has talent. Sam Darnold is a very talented quarterback. But in no world is he underrated. In no world is he underrated. He is the most overrated quarterback in the NFL. He gets the benefit of the doubt all the time. If you look at what the Jets roster was his rookie year versus what the Bills roster was Josh Allen's rookie year, it's not even comparable how insanely bad the Bills roster was. Sam Darnold learned from Josh McCown. Sam Darnold was on pace to break Peyton Manning's interception record, and then he got, quote-unquote, injured towards the end of the season. No, I think they were trying to save his ego because he was going to throw, however, 28 interceptions or something like that. I think he threw 18 interceptions his rookie year in the NFL because he sat out for four of them, or three games that year. In his career, Sam Darnold has thrown 28 interceptions and 36 touchdowns. He has improved. I'll give him that. He has improved mightily since his first year in the league. And then you got people like Mike Green Greenberg on ESPN, Jets fans. Sam Darnold is about to become the best QB in the NFL. By whose standard? <laughs> What do you define as the best QB in the NFL? In no world, other than deluded Jets fans and people that are holding tightly to their opinions at the 2018 draft, Sam Darnold is overrated. Because those people that are saying Sam Darnold is underrated are the same people that says Josh Allen is overrated. And that's exactly what this list says. Overrated. Josh Allen, Tom Brady, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Josh Allen is better than Sam Darnold. There is no world, except for you weirdo Jets fans, and Jets fans have been known throughout their history to be deluded and not be the smartest fans in the world. They have it is ingrained as much in their history as the I guarantee will win the Super Bowl. And we're gonna believe Jets fans on this one. No. If we're talking right here and now, in no world is Sam Darnold a better quarterback than Josh Allen. The hype around Sam Darnold coming into the draft is the only reason why people list him as underrated and give him the benefit of the doubt over everything. Because the people that love Sam Darnold hate Josh Allen because they thought the Bills wasted the pick on Josh Allen. That's why they hate Josh Allen, love Sam Darnold. If we want to go stat for stat... Josh Allen, we can go every stat, rushing yards, passing yards, interceptions, rushing t- total touchdowns, game-winning drives, which Josh Allen, I believe since coming in the league, has the second most in the NFL. Behind the likes of, I think, Russell Wilson and Drew Brees, but I don't know if that's if the two people at the top are right. I know Russell Wilson, I don't know about Drew Brees. I can't remember who the other quarterback was. Josh Allen has more rushing touchdowns in his career than Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is a top two running back in the NFL. Let that sink in for a little bit. In no world, I will not say Josh Allen's underrated. I will not say that. I think Josh Allen's overly hated, which is a little different than underrated. Because the people that hate him are just the same people that are afraid to let go of their, whatever you want to call it, their opinion that they had. Their narrative that they had in the 2018 draft. Oh, he can't, he doesn't, he's not accurate. Which, if you look at that and you know football, you know completion percentage is not 100% show accuracy. But people are too stupid to believe that, or too smart to believe that, I guess. Josh Allen made the playoffs in his second year in the NFL. Sam Darnold is constantly talked about being of course as we said earlier the best quarterback in the NFL no in no world is that happening I think Sam Darnold's talented I think the Jets are finally putting something together a little bit but in no world is Sam Darnold underrated now overrated I'll give you uh Jimmy G it for just for how much he's paid but I don't know if he's really overrated. I don't know. Tom Brady's just old, so I don't really know if we can put him in the overrated category as well, but I don't think Kyler Murray's underrated. I think Kyler Murray's just rated. I think everybody has the same opinion about Kyler Murray. I've not really heard anybody hate on Kyler Murray. Kyler's not underrated. Kyler's talked about as one of the dark horse MVP candidates. He ain't underrated. Sam Darnold gets the benefit of the doubt over everything but he they won seven games after they started one in seven with the easiest schedule in the nfl the last half of the season josh allen overrated no i think josh allen is overly hated as we said earlier but that's just my opinion on the matter again this is stay woke wednesday then we have another thing that i saw on instagram ESPN's top 10 quarterbacks for college quarterbacks going into 2020 their list stands as Trevor Lawrence Justin Fields okay very reasonable list right there very good start to the list then Jamie Newman Jamie Newman as a prospect for the draft is a top 10 quarterback we're talking about just college quarterbacks I would not rank Jamie Newman third I don't even know if I'd rank him top 10, to be honest, which I don't know if I, I don't think I did. Jamie Newman at Wake Forest put up good numbers. He put up very decent numbers while at Wake Forest. Can't complain. One year as a starter at Wake Forest, transfer to Georgia, 2,800 yards, 26 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Those are decent numbers. But does that put him at number three? Out of all the other quarterbacks you listed here, he's not better than any of them. As a pro prospect, maybe. But as a college quarterback, no. Like, if you were ranking a top 10 quarterbacks list of 2017, you were ranking the top 10 quarterbacks of college football in 2017, would you have ranked Josh Allen above Lamar Jackson in the 2017 quarterback list? Just out of all the college quarterbacks, we're not talking about pro prospects, college quarterbacks, would you have ranked Lamar Jackson over Josh Allen? No. Because as a college quarterback... Lamar Jackson's a thousand times better than Josh Allen as a prospect that might have been flipped a little bit or not might have it was flipped but Josh Allen when he was at Wyoming was not a top 10 quarterback not a top 10 college quarterback he was a top 10 pro prospect because he had all the tools the the arm strength the size the mobility all that stuff which made him desirable but he wasn't a top 10 quarterback in college football which is just the same thing as Jamie Newman being a top 10 quarterback in college football when all the other quarterbacks you've listed in this top 10 he's not better than you can just go on to number 4 Sam Howell I had same how at number 3 Sam Howell and North Carolina are going to make it a little harder for Clemson to win the ACC outright than it has been in years past this North Carolina team is going to be good I expect somewhere around 9 wins this season maybe they surprise us to go 10 but there Sam Howell is better than Jamie Newman it's not really close even if you want to go pro prospect Sam is better that's <laughs> Jamie Newman's a, a like a, a a late round late first round draft pick Sam is gonna be a top 10 pick you would expect if we're talking about like here and now I would expect Sam Howell to eventually be a top 10 pick in the draft unless he completely screws around his sophomore junior year and then he's out of the draft But in no world is Sam Howell worse than Jamie Newman. Number five, uh, I'll give you this one. Uh, Tanner Morgan from Minnesota. I think Tanner Morgan is a very talented quarterback. I think Tanner Morgan is very underrated. But do I think he's the fifth best quarterback in college football? I don't know. He had a very good year last year at Minnesota. 3,200 yards, 30 touchdowns, 7 picks, completed 66% of his passes. Tanner Morgan is a better quarterback than Jamie Newman. As a pro prospect probably not but as a quarterback in college football yes he is now he had a massive increase in production his sophomore year from his freshman year so do i rank him as number five in the country as far as best quarterbacks i don't know i i think i'd rank him a lot behind three people at least in this list i kind of screwed around and didn't put tanner more i think i forgot to put him in altogether in my list but i apologize tanner i apologize i ranked you second as the second best big 10 quarterback so you can give me that uh, number six, Sam Ellinger. Uh, Sam Ellinger is way better than Jamie Newman as far as a college quarterback goes. We're t- again, we're talking college quarterback. I don't have any problem with Jamie Newman being listed above Sam-, Sam Ellinger as a pro prospect, but as a college quarterback, I'm not I'm not having it. I'm not even a Texas fan. I could care less what Texas does this year, and Sam Ellinger is a little cringy at times. So yeah. He can be a little frustrating. But every year in college, Sam Ellinger has gotten better in every category. You look at his attempts has gone up. His completions have also gone up. With completion percentage, has gone up. Yards, passing yards, gone up. Average gone up. Touchdowns gone up. Quarterback rating or efficiency rating gone up. Rushing yards with one less attempt from the season before has gone up. Sam Ellinger though very cringy at times, is improving every single year. Jamie Newman has had one good year in college football. He hasn't really played that much at Wake Forest up until last year. and George, We'll see how he does at Georgia. He's never played at Georgia. So we don't know if he's going to carry that success that he had or good play that he had at Wake Forest over Georgia. We don't know that. Now, obviously, look at it. He's going to a bigger school with better players and stuff like that. But it doesn't always work like that sometimes when the quarterback transfers it doesn't turn out for them like Alex Hornerbrook went to uh went from Wisconsin to Florida State he sucked I don't he barely played last year at Florida State Blake Barnett transferred from Alabama to I think USC USF and I don't know what he's doing nowadays I think he transferred one time before that too might have transferred to USC like these quarterbacks that transfer it doesn't always work out. Sometimes it works out. But to rank Jamie Newman that high, just based off last year alone, you can't rank him number three. Especially of the above the things that Hal, Tanner Morgan, Sam Ellinger. Brock Purdy's at number seven. I had Brock Purdy one spot behind Sam Ellinger too, but I had him at number five and six. And then you have Keaton Slovis at number 10? That one, I, I don't understand that one at all. Keaton Slovis... Went from backup quarterback at USC to then making two five-star recruits from Matterday High School, like Los Angeles' big time school, one of the biggest schools in the country, made them transfer. In one case decommit the other one transfer. Keaton Slovis took USC from a five and seven team to an eight and five team, and now this year they're expected to win the Pac-12 South this year. Keaton Slovis last year threw thirty five hundred yards, thirty touchdowns, nine picks while completing 72% of his passes. That is 12% higher than Jamie Newman's at Wake Forest. He threw two more touchdowns than Jamie Newman in his last year of college. And he threw, uh, if I remember right, I think Jamie Newman threw 11 interceptions. He threw two less, if he was 11 interceptions, two less interceptions than Jamie Newman. And also threw 700 more yards than Jamie Newman, while not starting in every game. Unlike Jamie Newman, if my memory serves me right. How is Keaton Slovis ranked 10th on this list? 10th. On the list of best quarterbacks in college, 10th? i put him at four. (laughs) He's not 10th. That's a little disrespectful to Keaton Slovis. And not only that, not only that, I I wouldn't have a problem with him being ranked 10th if you saw quarterbacks like De'Eric King or Jaden Daniels or Kyle Trask or De'Eric, or I already mentioned De'Eric King, but those guys up there. But no, we're putting in Dustin Crum, who I think should be mentioned in the top ten, but not above a guy like Keaton Slopes because at Kent State he led them in both passing and rushing. He threw two interceptions while basically completing seventy percent of his passes. I wouldn't rank him above Keaton Slovis at all. Do I think he deserves to be in the top 10? Yeah, I think you can make an argument for him to be in the top 10. You lead a team in rushing and passing while only throwing two interceptions. That's very, very impressive. But do I rank him above Keaton Slovis? No way in hell am I ranking him above Keaton Slovis. And then number nine on this list. We skipped number eight and nine because they kind of surprise you a little bit when you first look at them. The next one, Lane Hatcher from Arkansas State. Lane Hatcher last season through 2900 yards this is kind of rotating with Logan Bro- Boner <laughs> it's Bonner, but we're calling it Logan Boner cuz that's kind of funny lane hatcher through 2900 yards played 67 or 65% of his passes 27 touchdowns 10 picks why are these quarter i I don't get it I now I'm a I'm a big Keaton Slovis fan so this is just coming from a I don't know it's frustrating and I don't even care about USC but I like Keaton Slovis because I like he came from a four star from Arizona and now two five stars are now in the SEC because he balled out now if I was to reorder this list as far as best quarterbacks on this list so here's the list ESPN gave out Trevor Lawrence Justin Fields Jamie Newman Sam Howell Tanner Morgan Sam Ellinger Brock Purdy Dustin Crum Lane Hatcher, and Keaton Slovis. So, if I'm reordering this list, my top six is the exact same. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Sam Howell, Keaton Slovis, Sam Ellinger, Brock Purdy. And that's unchanged. Then, if we're just keeping the same players on this list, I'm putting Tanner Morgan at seven. Then, I'm putting Dustin Crum eight. Then, I'll put Jamie Newman ninth. And then, I'll put Lane Hatcher 10th. If I'm reordering this exact list of players, that's what I would put. I forgot Sam, I forgot Tanner Morgan in my last list. So that's on me, but I would definitely throw Kyle Trask in there. Jaden Daniels, I think has to be mentioned up there as well for his potential next year. But this list is just weird. This is a really weird list. In what world is Jamie? I get as a pro prospect, if we're throwing that in, then sure. I'll, I'll allow Jamie Newman to be third. But as a, just a pure college quarterback. Because again, it's the same thing with Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Is L- Josh Allen a better college quarterback than Lamar Jackson? No. And no, no way in hell is he a better co- college quarterback. Pro prospect? Yes. At the time, he was seen as a better pro prospect. Jamie Newman is a good pro prospect. Jamie Newman is an all right college quarterback. We'll see how he does in his first year. Georgia, maybe he... He lives up to his third-place ranking on ESPN. But Sam Howell's better. Jamie, Caden uh, Slovis is better. Brock Purdy, Sam Elliott, Tanner Morgan. Even Dustin Crump. They're all better than him. And that's not even including quarterbacks that aren't on this list. Like Kyle Trask at Florida. De'Eric King could be mentioned up there as well. Jaden Daniels has been mentioned up there as well. Shane Bouchelle, another quarterback. Brady White, another Ian Book. Like, you got all these quarterbacks – that are better than Jamie Newman as college quarterbacks. I can't stress that enough. As college quarterbacks. This list is stupid. That's a dumb list. That's a dumb list. What else do we got on here for Stay Woke Wednesday? Oh, another quarterback list. NFL quarterbacks by category. It's another interesting thing. I love I love this Stay Woke Wednesday thing. This is going to be a new favorite segment of mine. So, this is NFL QBs by category. And we got a top 10 list of top 10 QBs under 25 years old. So, we'll come with that. After we're done with Stay Woke Wednesday. NFL QBs by category. Overall, Patrick Mahomes. Yes, I agree 100%. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. Underrated. You already know is going to be on here, but Sam Darnold. <laughs> if I'm listing the most underrated quarterback in the NFL right now, I'm putting Kirk Cousins. I don't really care. Kirk Cousins is the only quarterback in the NFL to throw for 25 touchdowns these the last five seasons. He's the only one to do that. According to Vikings to Instagram, of course, have I fact-checked it? No, (laughs) but according to that, and I've seen that everywhere, Kirk Cousins is very underrated in my opinion. I think he gets overly hated, but I think that has a lot to do with the size of the contract that he signed. But is that his fault that he got a big contract? No, that was the market. He got paid what the market value said. I don't think we can judge the contract on it, but a lot of people will do that. As a player, I think he's very underrated. I think he gets overly hated just because he's he's very corny he does a lot of things that make you kind of cringe a little bit he's not cool he's not the cool quarterback to like he plays for the vikings they paid him a lot of money not very like crazy like team so i get why he's looked at as not very well liked in the nfl as far as fans go but i think he's massively underrated i also look at the likes of matthew stafford could get thrown around in that list as well um what other quarterbacks could be mentioned around in the underrated category? I think Matt Ryan could get mentioned around in the underrated category cuz he gets a lot of hate from time to time. Um I don't know. I I don't even know if I'd throw Matt Ryan in there. I just thought of a name and I said it. But uh yeah, I think that's what I would do for my underrated. I I'd, I'd say Kirk Cousins for my underrated one. We've done we've already done our little rant on Sam Darnold. We don't need to do that again. So we'll we'll just stay with the He's under he's overrated, massively overrated, we'll leave it at that. Speed, Lamar, that's yeah, that's easy. Agility, Lamar, again, yeah, easy. Arm strength. Uh, it's definitely between three people. Uh Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Aaron Rodgers. I think those three have the strongest arms in the NFL. They listed Patrick Mahomes. Do I have any real problems with it? No. So I'm not really gonna say a lot on the matter, but I think you could easily throw the likes of Josh Allen or Aaron Rodgers there and flip them out, and I think you'd be fine. Uh, there's the video of um, uh, Patrick Mahomes throwing the football out of the stadium at Arrowhead. Their stadium's really like for a, this is. I'm not saying I could do it, but as far as strong arm quarterbacks throwing it out of the stadium, it's not that incredibly hard to throw it out of the stadium, especially with no shoulder pads on or anything. Josh Allen did it in a game. The Bills. I've I've said this before on the show. I don't know if a lot of people know this a lot like 90% of 99% of stadiums in the world their press boxes and like suites and stuff are on the sidelines they're they're on the sidelines the bills their stuff is all on the end zones so you've got like the press boxes by the tunnel i don't know what end that is i'm not good with my cardinal directions but you got the press box up there when they broadcast games they do it in the top corner of the stadium so like if you look at the if you look at New Era Field, the press boxes are on that tunnel side. Then you got the suites on the other side. And then you got these four old clocks on the sideline where like normally press boxes would be. So Josh Allen's trying to get it not only over the stands but over the press box as well. Patrick Mahomes only has to get it over the stands. I know the the scoreboards there, but you can get it around the scoreboard. It's kind of hard to get it around the uh, press box and all that. I know Josh Allen didn't get it out of the stadium, but in a game, he got it pretty high up, got a pretty hefty fine out of it as well. But I just think that's interesting. If you look at, like, all of the stadiums in the NFL, most of them, their press boxes and suites are on the sidelines. New Era Field's like one of those weird ones where it's in the end zone. It's like Iowa State at Jack Trice Stadium. Their press box is on one side, but the student section and the home team... Are on the opposite side. I've never understood that really. It's kind of always thrown me off. And no one's ever really been able to explain that to me, but maybe it's some crazy thing that they do. But yeah, there it's off like that as well. But I don't know. That's just something. I think you could throw in any of those guys, and you would you wouldn't bat an eye if you saw them at arm strength. Accuracy, Drew Brees. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. I'd say Drew Brees is the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. One of the most accurate quarterbacks in NFL history, if we're going off that. Overrated? Phillip Rivers? No. (laughs) we got Sam Darnold in that category. Mr. Benefit of the doubt. mister all they won however many games All-day-won-however-many-games-their-last-half-of-the-season, even though we're not going to mention that was the easiest schedule in the NFL last half of the season. And we lost to the Bengals in that time, given their first win of the season. But yeah he's underrated (laughs) uh philip rivers i think he might be slightly overrated now because he got 23 touchdowns 20 interceptions last year but i think throughout his career i think he's more underrated than overrated uh other overrated quarterbacks um jared goff could get mentioned in there we always talk about jimmy garoppolo and stuff i think jared goff is talented i think jared goff can make every throw in the football field but I don't know if he's uh i never mind. i wouldn't put him in overrated i would not put him in overrated um other quarterbacks you could throw in the overrated category baker mayfield's another one because he had a great rookie year struggled this second year mightily struggled this second year um he could easily go in. kyle allen could go in there especially last season i was on the bandwagon that was saying don't believe the hype and kyle allen I said that a lot last year. I said, wait till he actually plays someone good, and then he started to fall off the face of the earth. He finished with 17 touchdowns, 16 picks. Like, yeah, he was very overrated last year, and I <laughs> I was on that bandwagon before anybody else saw it coming. Everyone's like, oh, my God, I love him. I love him. He's so awesome. Even the Panthers swear again. Now he's on the Redskins, so that shows how much the Panthers love him now. Accomplished Tom Brady. Yeah, no one can really disagree with that. Fan favorite, I think, is an interesting one. Drew Locke. Um, no, I think he's a, like a lot of people like him, but I'd say fan favorites, Lamar Jackson. I don't really think there's a lot of people that dislike Lamar Jackson. Everything Lamar does is awesome and astounding. I think drew lock. How can he, is he a fan favorite? I mean, last year he, he played five games. I think everybody likes his potential. I don't know if everybody, if he's worldwide. Lo- I think he's I think he is loved because especially of the jeezy clip of him rapping i don't know if he's a quote unquote fan favorite i would definitely say lamar jackson is the fan favorite of pretty much everybody in the nfl second every unanimous mvp led the league in touchdown passes last year uh threw for three thousand yard rush for a thousand first quarterback to reach the thousand yard mark in nfl history for rushing I think he's definitely a fan favorite. I would say Patrick Mahomes is a fan favorite as everybody's um, Tom Brady's also a fan favorite and also a lot, very much hated by a lot of people as well. He kind of fits in the same, but he's got two late two two feet in different baskets. I guess you could call it. I don't know if that's a phrase or not potential Kyler Murray. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think Kyler Murray's got the highest ceiling out of all the young quarterbacks in the NFL awareness, Russell Wilson. Yeah, I would agree with that. If you watch some of the things he does, he's a freaking magician. I don't know how he does some of the things he does. But awareness, I would definitely say Russell Wilson is number one. I don't even know who else you would throw up there. Lamar Jackson could get talked about as an aware quarterback. Same with Patrick Mahomes. But I think Russell Wilson just does things that are crazy. And then this one's a little harsh. Um, Worst quarterback in the league, they list Dwayne Haskins. Now, when I did my quarterback list last year, I ranked the QBs that just started at the bottom of the list. So Dwayne Haskins routinely found himself near the bottom. Same with like Brandon Allen. Uh, Drew Locke was down there. Daniel Jones when he first started. Like when I did the quarterback list, those young quarterbacks were always near the bottom. And it's not really based off of their bad quarterbacks. It's more of the fact they haven't played. So you can't logically rank them above quarterbacks that have played. That's why I hate a lot of these lists that go, oh, I'm going to rank Joe Burrow as the 15th best quarterback in the NFL. He may very well be the 15th best quarterback in the NFL, but he hasn't played a single snap in the NFL yet. How can you rank him above people that have played in the NFL? That doesn't make a lot of sense. Now does it? I've never really understood that. I also never understood people writing off other players as busts before they've even took in a single snap in the NFL. That's something I've never really understood either. Cause again, they haven't played. So one on one end, you're going to rank him as high as 15th, which is just a hypothetical. I I haven't seen that, but I'm bringing it up just so I can use an example. Okay, whatever, whatever. You can rank him really high, or some people just completely write him off before their career starts. Like um, Sam Darnold. We're hyping him up to this insane level of where people are like, he's the second, he's the next can't-miss prospect. I would put him up there with Andrew Luck and John Elway. Ugh. That's an example of overhyping somebody. Then you got the example of writing went off as a bust, and that's where Josh Allen comes into play. Where are like, oh, he's the worst quarterback of the 2018 draft class when he got drafted. Ugh. See how stupid you look when you do those comparisons? How Sam Darnold's the greatest thing since sliced bread, and you got Josh Allen as a bust? They're way different in quarterbacks anyways, and Josh Allen is better than Sam Darnold. So look how stupid your whole narrative is now that you're in this situation. Oh, I wrote this guy off as a bust. Now he's starting in the playoff game. Now he has as many rushing, t- he has more rushing touchdowns than Saquon Barkley. Now he's only thrown two interceptions since week four of the NFL season. Through He has 21 touchdowns and two interceptions. Oh my God, how am I? why did I write him off as a bust? And then you got people like Bomani Jones that will just never leave him alone and go like, this guy sucks. I think Sam Darnold's better. What, no, what world is Sam, D- okay, we're not getting to that again. But worst quarterback in the league, I think it's a little harsher, Dwayne. I think out of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now, I think the worst one, if we're going off of last year, the worst one I saw last year was Mason Rudolph. Um, That was the worst starting quarterback in the league last year. If we're including every quarterback that started, obviously he's not a starter anymore because Ben Roethlisberger's back. If I had to list out of all the 32 teams and their starting quarterbacks, whoever's gonna go in the season starting, I'd say the worst starting quarterback at the NFL is probably Mitch Trubisky. Going into the season. And if we're doing my thing of like, I'm just going off of like we're including Ryan Fitzpatrick and um uh well Ryan Finley was also really bad as well. But I, I guess some of the younger quarterbacks, so I guess Tua or Joe Burrow at the bottom or That's what we were just talking about. So, can you really rank the best quarterback of the NFL? I think we had to do that at the end of the season. I don't know if we can rank them now. We can rank the top ten, but I don't think we can rank and go off potential. But I don't think we can rank them and solely and go like this guy is better than this guy, without like because it's not true because you don't know because they haven't played yet. But that was just something I found interesting. It's a little list of. QBs by category, and I want to go over this again. Overall, Patrick Mahomes, yep. Sam Darnold, underrated, definitely not. Speed, agility, Lamar Jackson, yeah. Uh, arm strength, Patrick Mahomes, yeah. I think Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers could go in there as well, and I don't think anybody would bat an eye. Accuracy, Drew Brees, yeah. Overrated, Philip Rivers, uh, no, that's Sam Darnold. <laughs> uh, accomplished, Tom Brady, easily, yeah. Fan favorite, I'd say Lamar Jackson, but Drew Locke is well-liked around... The league and around fans around a lot of people but i don't know fan favor i put lamar there potential kyler murray yeah i agree with that awareness russell wilson yeah i would put lamar up there as well worst quarterback i'm not gonna rank a worst quarterback that's a little mean especially right now with all these young quarterbacks because again it could very well be tua (laughs) because we don't know because he hasn't played a single snap in the nfl so we don't want to rank dwayne haskins there i think dwayne haskins is set up to fail in washington But, yeah, I don't think he's the worst quarterback in the NFL. Another thing for Woke Wednesday, stay Woke Wednesday. This is my problem with Pro Football Focus. Pro Football Focus ranked Garrett Bowles as the Broncos, not worst player like a lot of people would assume, most underrated player. I saw a lot of comments on this post. It was like, uh, yeah, he's holding firm to that position. I watched a game with Garrett Bowles, the Broncos versus Bears. He had at least five holding penalties in one game. I don't even think it was a game. There were times where they just didn't call it on him, and it was on him. I think in total, even including the ones that didn't get actually called and they got called on someone, I think he had eight holding penalties in one game. Eight or seven holding penalties. Seven or eight holding penalties. Made it worse, that former Broncos center, Mark Schlereth, was in the booth broadcasting the game. That doesn't help his case, because he's going to get a lot of hate over that. Garrett Bowles is not underrated by any set, (laughs) any reasonable thought ever. I don't, I don't know. Pro Football Focus also said that Duck Hodge is a better quarterback than Josh Allen. So, do we really hold a lot of things that Pro Football Focus says as holy text? For some reason, a lot of people do. I don't really know why, because their rating system is very, very, very flawed, they, ranked, they just had a thing on Twitter, got retweeted by, I can't remember who retweeted it, but it said, Trey White has not allowed, an a, didn't allow a single touchdown all of 2019. Yet, he was ranked outside, I believe, the top 15 players in pro football focus thing. He didn't allow a single touchdown, or was it defenders? I gotta find this tweet, because it was, it's something like that, where I think it's either defenders or overall players. Because you're going like, overall players, then you could probably make an argument like, okay, maybe he's not a top 15 player in the entire NFL. I got to find this tweet because it's, it's pretty interesting pro football focus. I mean, again, pro football focus does a lot of things that are very, very weird. very weird. Yeah. He do not get respect. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's crazy. He isn't ranked. I don't know. Pro Football Focus, their rating system is very, very weird. I've never really liked Pro Football. But a lot of things they said are very interesting. And yeah, Garrett Bowles is underrated. Usually, when you see name Garrett Bowles on a list, you say, "Oh, Garrett Bowles is the worst player on the Broncos." Okay, that makes sense. Garrett Bowles is underrated. Interesting take there by <laughs> pro football focus. And then here's another thing. This is the final one we're going to talk about for today, for Stay Woke Wednesday. I think this is the dumbest question you could ask anybody in a while. Would you rather – we can call this Would You Rather Wednesday, too. Be a star player on an FCS team, a top FCS team nonetheless. So you're not going to like um, – I don't know who's a bad, you're not going to Eastern Illinois or something, or not uh, Western Illinois, you're not going there, you're not going to Missouri State, you're going to North Dakota State, James Madison, uh, Montana, UNI, like Weber State, you're going to all the best programs, or be a bench player on a top FBS team. Okay, this is stupid, why this is even a question. If any person says they were willingly going to sit on the bench of an FCS t- FBS team, Willingly sit on the bench, and this is a bench player. This isn't like, oh, I'm eventually going to start for an FBS team. You are a bench player. You are Matt Castle. You are not playing a single snap. Uh, you're playing. Uh, you are playing snap. Very minimal snaps. Not like like uh, Miles Brennan this year for LSU. I don't know why he popped my head first, but you didn't play a lot last year. Now you're going to go in the season starting for LSU. We're not doing that. This is literally saying, would you rather be a bench player or start? essentially is what this is saying if you sat there and went I'd rather be a bench player that says a lot about you there's no world where you should be fine with going yeah I think you know what I'm gonna be the bench player for an FBS program ah screw getting national championship North Dakota State screw being a top 10 draft pick I want to be a bench player on FBS team that's very dumb And I'm sorry if you believe that, or if you want that to happen. I'm very sorry about that. Like, Trey Lance is going to be a top 10 pick in next year's draft, you would expect, or at least top 15. Carson Wentz was the second pick, the number two overall pick when he got drafted. Steve McNair, Alcorn State, second picked player in the, or third player picked in the draft. Jerry Rice, Walter Payton, more FCS players. So you're saying you'd rather be a Matt Castle than the likes of the players I just listed. I think Michael Strahan went to an FCS school. If not, it was a very low-level FBS, and I can't really remember which one it was. Randy Moss, at the time, Marshall was FCS when he went pro. Now he's one of the greatest receivers of all time. Terrell Owens is an FCS player. Chattanooga trying to think of other FCS players that I could think of at the top of my head. Um, Kurt Warner, <laughs> as we said, FCS player, like there's so many great players in the NFL and NFL's history that come from FCS schools. So to say you just rather be a bench player, than star on an FB FCS team says a lot about you. If you would willingly sit on the bench willingly like oh, yeah, i am perfectly fine selling this this is we're playing this as you're not going to start you are a bench player you are a uh john winky at iowa you are a matt castle i know matt castle got drafted in the seventh round but would you rather would you be Matt? well i know a lot of people go oh, i make millions of dollars i'd be matt castle I right. those all those people also bother me But yeah, there is no way in hell I would pass up the opportunity to be a star at the FCS level, to be a bench player in the FBS level. And the pictures they use are very funny because I like the pictures that they use. You got Trey Lance in one picture. And then you got some guy. I don't even know who it is (laughs) from LSU. I don't know who this is. It looks like he's number six or number eight. I can't tell. Like they used an actual star of the FBS and they used a bench player of the FBS. I don't even know who he is. Why would you willingly be a bench player? Why would you willingly do that? That doesn't make any sense. I, there's some comments on here. What competitor would willingly go to the FBS? I see this on my social media feeds all the fricking time. And I don't understand it. Why is that a question being posed by anybody? That is one of the dumbest questions I've ever been, I've ever read in my entire life. You're sitting there going, yeah, I would willingly be a backup player. I would willingly sit on the bench rather than be a star in the FCS. That has been posted since last year, and it keeps coming up on my timeline. Why is that there? Who made that question? It says Max Preps made it. They're a recruiting page, so, I mean, they'll pose the question because i got a lot of recruits looking at them, I'm guessing. That's a dumb question. It's a very, very, very dumb question. Like, ooh, I have the opportunity to start right away at North Dakota State, or I could be a backup quarterback at Iowa State. Or I said top program. Uh, I could be the backup quarterback at Oklahoma. If you really believe you can go in there and start, even though all odds against you, then go ahead and do that. Because that's what Tua did. Tua went to Alabama the same year Jalen Hurts just led Alabama to a national championship game and was named FCS freshman of the year. And he committed to Alabama. So if you truly believe in yourself that I'm going to start at Alabama eventually and get drafted in the top five, then go ahead and do that. But if this is telling you, would you rather be a bench player or a star player? The answer is really obvious. So I don't know why that's even a why that question's even being posed by anybody. I don't know who came up with that question, but it's a stupid question. It's a very, 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 very dumb question. But yeah. That's all of our stuff for Stay Woke Wednesday. And how much how much time do we have left on the show? We're at an hour five talking right now. Before, we'll talk for five more minutes. So let's do our, our list thing that we talked about earlier. Let's go to radio show number seventy-five. Because again, this is very cool. We have done 75 radio shows. Or 74. Is it 74 or 75? It's one of those two numbers. Very impressive stuff. Either way, we're on number 74 right now. This is including all the shows from last year as well. Like earlier this past year. So the 2019 first semester, 2022 semester until right now. We have done 74 shows. Today is number 74. On the Apple podcast and on the Spotify account... I think it will say we are on episode 30. So we're grinding it out. Even though there's no sports, we're still grinding out some decent content, I guess. (laughs) But we're still cranking it out, I guess. So we got a little bit left in the show. So let's go over my top 10 quarterbacks who are under the age of 25. And we start off this list in pretty simple fashion. The quarterback we said was... Here, hold on. No, I'm I'm doubting myself. Okay. The quarterback we said... Was the best quarterback in the NFL, Badger Mahomes, number one. Pretty easy. No need for explanation there. Number two, Lamar Jackson. Again, second to every unanimous MVP. Led the NFL in passing touchdowns last year. Uh, yeah, easily number two. So number one and two are locked in. Lock it in. chugung. That's a locked-in noise, if you didn't know. Number three is Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is 24 years old. I think he's a top-five quarterback in the NFL right now. He's a very, very, very good quarterback. He is a freaking winner. That's all the dude does. Playing for a losing franchise, and I know they've only been around for 20 years, but to consider someone a losing franchise in 20 years is not great, <laughs> but they are. So the Houston Texans have always done. They've never had a quarterback. Never. The closest thing they had to having a quarterback was Matt Schaub, and he had like a good two, three-year stretch. And then after that, he went back to being a backup for the Falcons. At first, he went to the Raiders, and then he got beat up by Derek Carr, and then now he's back at the Falcons. But Deshaun Watson's just a winner. That's what, That's how I would describe Deshaun Watson. Like, against the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs, that dude made so many plays late towards late the later stages of the game that won the Texans the game. Also, the Bills getting really weird on offense with Brian Dable's play calling, and I've complained about Brian Dable more times than not on the show. I haven't had to do it recently because they haven't been playing, but when the season start... Bet yourself that I am going to be talking a lot about Brian Dable. I, I was hoping he'd get the Browns job so the Bills could get a new office coordinator. That was my opinion. It's really weird with play calling, but that's just, okay. Well, we're not talking about Brian Dable. Deshaun Watson, winner in college. He's leading a winning, a losing franchise into the playoffs every year. Now, their division is considerably weaker than what it has been in years past, but Deshaun Watson is awesome. Number four on this list, I've got Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, again, is one of those dark horse players for the MVP this year. One of those very dark horse players. Like, out of bets, I think it's between him and number five on this list who we'll talk about a little bit, who are leading the way in regards to dark horse bets. Kyler Murray's awesome. I love watching Kyler Murray play. Cardinals football, the Cardinals, much like the Texans, but the Cardinals have been around for a lot longer. One of the oldest franchises in the NFL are a losing franchise. No matter where they've been especially in Arizona they have very much struggled in Arizona they went to one Super Bowl they have been to one Super Bowl in their existence and that was with Kurt Warner that was really random I don't think anybody saw that coming they should have won it to be honest but Kyler Murray's making it exciting I wasn't a huge fan of the Cliff Kingsbury hiring because it didn't make a lot of sense to me you get fired in college and then you get a job in the NFL doesn't make a lot of sense but watching him and Kyler Murray work together has been awesome Kyler Murray 3,700 yards passing 20 touchdowns last year Played played 65 or 64 percent of his passes and he's only going to go up from here as we said on this list that we did earlier he has the most potential in the NFL he has the highest ceiling out of all the young quarterbacks in the NFL this is talking about the last two drafts I would assume he's insane I love Kyler Murray number five is Josh Allen who like we said just a little bit ago is in that category of dark horse MVPs that are getting a lot of bets place on him Josh Allen 3,000 yards passing 20 touchdowns nine picks again only two interceptions post the Patriots game and I believe week three or four I can't remember which one it was and they should have still won that game they would have won the game if Josh Allen didn't get hurt because Matt Bartley threw an interception in the end zone but Josh does a lot of things that frustrate you as a fan but Josh does some things that make you go wow he actually did that like the lateral thing Very frustrating, but then you look at some of the greatest players in the NFL, like Ed Reed did that consistently because Ed Reed was trying to score every time he had the ball in his hand. If Ed Reed was to returning a punt or a fumble or an interception, Ed Reed was trying his best to get to the end zone. And it worked sometimes, but other times it did not work. And that's the same thing with this. Josh, I think he just needs to pick the right times to do it. That time was not a great time. But Josh Allen, I think, is the fifth-best quarterback out of the quarterbacks that are under 25 years old. Uh, next quarterback on this list, Drew Locke. Again, he's like the, as they said, fan favorite. The Broncos, I'm basing this off of the people that he has around him. Three first – or three legit number one receivers. I think Chad Johnson said that. Never seen a team with three legit number one receivers. You have Corlin Sutton, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler that is a perfect receiving core. Noah Fant, whose numbers skyrocketed after Drew Locke took over. You got Phillip Lindsay, and then Melvin Gordon as your running backs. Drew Locke is, is definitely a fan favorite. But, he's, I, not, no, there's no but, there's no but. Drew Locke's going to be awesome and I hate that he plays for the Broncos because the Broncos and Chiefs are two of the most likable quarterbacks in the NFL in the homes and Drew Locke and I don't like it. Um, number seven, Sam Darnold. Uh, because potential I guess because right now I don't really see a lot that makes me go yes this dude's a franchise guy I think he's got a lot of potential and he's got skills that can eventually pay bills but right now I'm just like this dude's an okay quarterback and he doesn't do anything that wows me right now he's in and out of the team he's missed six games throughout his career played only 13 games as rookie and is in his sophomore season in the NFL he's just a decent he's decent I don't know he doesn't do anything that goes wow but I think he has potential to be something that's really good um number eight I struggle with this one I kind of flip back and forth between these two quarterbacks but I eventually landed on Gardner Minshew Uh, Gardner Minshew played 61% of his pass last year 3200 yards 21 touchdowns only six picks didn't do a lot of great things towards the end of the season but he had that Minshew mania going on at the beginning of the year and if he shows out this year, they, they could convince the Jaguars, and he going to show out like a lot this year to convince the Jaguars not to take Trevor Lawrence number one next year. But if he does, I think he can be their guy. I like Gardner Minshew, but again, he doesn't do anything spectacular. He's not very big. He doesn't have a cannon arm. But that's the same thing as a similar quarterback that's also one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. That's Drew Brees. Now, I'm not saying he is Drew Brees, but he has potential to be something good. That's why I'm putting him... At number 8. and number 9, I have Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, 24 touchdowns last year. 12 interceptions. Threw for 3,000 yards last year. Very impressive stuff. But he fumbled 18 times. 18! I cannot stress that enough, how annoying that is to coaches. Everywhere. Every level. Especially coming from a quarterback. Fumbling is the most annoying thing for coaches. In the world for football coaches everywhere fumbling is the most annoying one and it makes it even worse when it's coming from your quarterbacks the quarterback's main job is to not turn the ball over and be a leader you you're fumbling 16 18 times in a season in total you're throwing okay so we're including rushing touchdowns and passing touchdowns, through you are responsible for 26 touchdowns now he didn't lose all 18 fumbles but we're including them, he is responsible for 30 turnovers. That's in the case that he lost all the fumbles, which, of course, he didn't. But that's how coaches are going to look at it. I don't care if you lost – you didn't turn the ball over. You still put the ball on the ground. That's what needs to change with Daniel Jones. That's why I have him before below Gardner Minshew. And then number 10 uh, is Joe Burrow because I think Joe Burrow – has a lot of potential, and I think he could he could do a lot of good stuff for the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals have a lot of good weapons around him. Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, Joe Mixon. They're slowly rebuilding their offensive line. Slowly, but still doing it. I think he's going to get beat up this year, but I think he's tough enough to where it won't hurt him. Coaches have said that he's a linebacker playing quarterback. I don't think he'll be affected – by getting blasted by linebackers and defensive ends every single play. I don't think that'll affect him. I think potential-wise, I think he's up there with the best. And I'm guessing if you're listening to this, you're like, oh, where's Baker Mayfield? Where's Jared Goff? Where's all these guys? You've literally said these quarterbacks haven't played, so you can't rank them above them. Well, Jared Goff, uh, Baker Mayfield, who else could I list on here? Carson Wentz other young quarterback Dak Prescott um Jameis Marcus Mariota they're all in the above 25 range or are 25 Bigger Mayfield is exactly 25 so he can't be on this list otherwise he would have been but I had I literally had him on the list but took him off because I found out he was not 25 he's older he's older than 25 he's, he can't you can't play in the U25s you're 25 or older that's how we're doing this So, every quarterback on here is 24 and under, pretty much. Like, you 25s. Like, they're all younger than 25. So, yeah. That is my top 10 quarterbacks under 25 years old. So, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Drew Locke, Sam Darnold, Gardner Minshew, Daniel Jones, and Joe Burrow. That is my top 10 quarterbacks there. And I hope you enjoyed this Stay Woke Wednesday. I hope all of you stay woke and don't listen to the things that people post on Twitter and Instagram, except for me, of course because I'm your host, Logan Blackman, of the world-famous Logan Blackman Show. Stay tuned for some videos coming out in the near future. Go follow me on Twitter, Instagram, go like the Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and I will see you all on Friday. Peace.